Alright guys, welcome back to Revive School. New week and continuing on with the study of First Thessalonians. You know, we have, Kevin, it's a special day today. Not just because we're in chapter 3, lesson 68. Oh no, it's because we have a Revive School student in here from Wausau, Wisconsin. Max Ray, in fact, we even have a slide here. Kevin, I mean, this, this to me is going to be forever uh, it's Max Ray Day today. That's Yay. great. That's really nice. uh, you know, I love the fact that you're here. It was your team, your crew in Wausau that actually sent us a soapbox. Like, you guys have been this faithful crew digging into the Word of God. And it's, it's an honor to have you here, Max. Uh, it's an honor to be here. We got to get to know you when we did Revive Wisconsin. And it's just crazy for us. Our desire is, is that once you pour into cities, and I think you're going to see this uh, as we begin to dig into the Word today, you know, as Paul pours into a city, what, what's his goal? His goal is to make sure those people are shepherded. Those people are taken care of in the word of God. And so what you're going to see in 1 Thessalonians 3 is Paul's doing that. He says, okay, I want to make sure the Thessalonians are taken care of. So what does he do? He sends his buddy Timothy. And so in a weird way, we have this really unique model of an apostle coming into a community and then making sure even after at least, Kevin, that we know of maybe three weeks of ministry. Three Sabbaths, so maybe even only just three, three Saturdays, three Friday nights and Saturday mornings, and then maybe even two plus. But the point is, is Paul had a heart for the Thessalonians. He genuinely cared. And in fact, you know, in the first two chapters of First Thessalonians, just to kind of get you caught up again whenever you jump into a new week, you know, the first two chapters, Paul explains that how the church was born and then they, they were nurtured. In chapter three, what I love is, is he begins to walk through the level of maturity. You know, whenever you look back of the Corinthians church, the Ephesians, the Galatians, uh, the Philippians, you have to look at the Thessalonians as a mature group of believers. So here's what we want to do. I want to walk through an outline. Uh, it, it's pretty simple, but, you know, remember the Thessalonians, the first Thessalonians, we always have, uh, we have Mindy's painting here, so we always have a phrase. So our phrase is, just to get everybody caught up again, is, Kevin, what's our phrase for the book of first Thessalonians? Coming Lord. Coming Lord, coming Lord, which is why Paul's saying, look, I need you to be ready. I need to be established. I need you to be mature. I need you to walk this thing out. Coming Lord comes from 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 and 16, which we'll get into tomorrow, which let, let me just tell you this whole week, if your head is not overwhelmed by uh, a lot of knowledge and a lot of biblical truth, and you're trying to sort it out through the Holy Spirit, then I probably haven't done my job. There's going to be a lot here this week that you've heard about, let me just prepare you, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, you know, pre-millennial, amillennial, all of these different things, pre-wrath, and we're actually going to begin to get into some of that this week. And so why do I want to say that now? Because First Thessalonians is Paul is saying to Timothy, I need you to get the believers ready. He's coming back. Look at this picture that many has painted, this painting. I mean, here you have the hand of Christ. Here you have the, the shout, the archangel, archangel, arch, archangel. Uh, here you have people getting ready to see, but in 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 and 16, for it says, For we say this to you by revelation from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly have no advantage over those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. He is saying, you guys, I need you to find hope that he is coming and also in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, again, just as a picture of the coming Lord. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wants to make sure the Thessalonians are ready. 
And he's going to do whatever it takes to make sure that this group of believers keep their eyes on him. So that kind of gives you a backdrop. So Warren Wearsby kind of unfolds an outline. And so that's why Paul, it says he sent the Thessalonians. It says he sent them a helper. And in this context, Kevin, this helper um, is not the Holy Spirit. The helper is who? Timothy. Timothy. So just practically speaking, Paul says, hey, look, what's a good way that I can help people in this city walk with the Lord? I'm going to send somebody. Can I just tell you this? Discipleship, you can do it through Twitter. You can do it through Instagram. You can do it through Facebook. Uh, I actually think you can correspond through phone and email and texting. I do. I, I think that's a fair statement. But there's nothing that there's nothing that trumps discipleship than in in person. Face to face, making sure I can see what you're saying. I can hear what you're saying. I can actually sense and discern what this environment looks like. That's why it says in verse one, therefore, we could no longer stand it. We thought it was better to be left alone in Athens. So uh, keep in mind, okay, back up here just a little bit. In Acts 17, Paul sends away and he goes to Athens. So, Kevin, if you want to go to our screen here, he goes to Athens, Silas and Timothy. Okay, so Paul comes down to Athens. Silas and Timothy go to Berea. Okay, this is kind of a a picture before we get to this point. Okay, they all rejoined in Acts 17. They all rejoined in Athens, Acts 17, 15 and 16. So Silas, Timothy and Paul. Okay, it says that they all come back and they hang out here in this region. At the same point, though, okay, then it says in 1 Thessalonians 3, 2, and then we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith. So people are down at Athens. He says, Timothy, I'm going to send you back up into this region. Now, Time Revive has gone into cities. This is the only way I can practically think about something like this. You know, we have gone into um, Minnesota, you know, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Well, what happens? What do we do? Well, God has raised up a group of missionaries. Praise the Lord for Josh and Megan and Jerry and Ann and Jen and uh, the Rylands. Like, I'm serious. God has raised up these missionaries, right? So to do what? To go back into those communities to strengthen and encourage those that are walking in faith. Like, practically, don't hear me elevate myself to the Apostle Paul level. I'm not saying that. But practically, as a person that has an apostolic calling, you cannot constantly be going back into those regions that you've already gone into. So God says, look, I'm going to send people to make sure and strengthen and encourage. And so to me, uh, that's how the body of Christ grows. It, it's almost like, a, this is going to sound weird, a check-in system. It's not just a phone call. It's Timothy going back in saying, guys, how are you doing? Practically, uh, that's the difference between what I would say in evangelistic, and I'm not against these, so don't take it like this, an evangelistic crusade that comes in, shares the gospel, and then leaves and moves on to people that come in and share the gospel and want to make sure the work continues. So you send in disciples makers, you send in missionaries, folks that can carry the work. And I'll be honest, Time Revive didn't always do it like that. And I have to be honest, we don't always do it well. I think you have to understand and, and walk in humility and saying, this is a really hard process. You want to know why? Because you're constantly thinking about the people that you've done ministry to and with. You're always trying to look ahead, but you're always looking back. Right? That's, Kevin, does that make sense to you? Yeah, it's you're, you're kind of trudging forward. I mean, that's what Paul's doing. He's like, I got to keep going. I still have a call, but I want to, I care about you guys. And I want my, my buddy Timothy to come check on you and encourage you. All he's doing, which says to me, uh, it's never about one person. 
It's always about the body of Christ. And so I just want to walk you through this discipleship mentality. Like, please understand this. I understand when people share the gospel and sometimes you physically can't ever get back. Like we've gone to Africa, shared the gospel. Rich, I just got a a WhatsApp and three emails from one guy, Patrick, who is our interpreter. We saw 20 plus kids come to know the Lord. It's not like I'm going to be going back to Kampala anytime soon. Like it's a hard place to get to. But I can encourage Patrick, right, to walk this thing out. And I think that's the desire and that's the model that we see in the church. You know, Paul sends Timothy, who is a fellow worker. He's a believer. Uh, Paul possibly led him to the Lord. We'll get into that later on this week. He's a minister. He's a deacon. He's not afraid to work. Like you want to send people that are willing to get their hands dirty. Don't send some pansy that says, hey, I'm here just checking up on you. No, like this guy has to actually be willing to get dirty with the Thessalonians. He has to be willing to engage the culture and, and, and honestly shepherd them, but then call them out at the same time. And, and, you know, the problem is, is that there are some cities, you guys, we don't have this. Santa Fe, New Mexico, like I have a connection with one or two people. But when we first started the ministry, you know, from Dallas to Santa Fe, we didn't even think like this. So I think over the course of time, as maturity continues to set in in our own walk, we recognize the value of, of God raising up people to constantly be pouring into people. And so if you're going to get ready for the coming Lord, this is where I want to go with this. You have to strengthen and encourage people that you've poured into. It's essential. So what does he do? He sends Timothy, look at this, to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith. I mean, this is super important. Growing in faith mentioned five times in the first 10 verses. Like, I want you to grow in your faith. Why? What is so important about growing in your faith? It says in verse three, so that no one will be shaken by these persecutions. So Kevin, what's, what's Paul already implying that's coming? Well, I mean, they, the reason they left after a couple, two, three weeks was they were getting persecuted. And so just because uh, the church is experiencing times of persecution, it, it doesn't actually mean God's against them. I, I'm serious because I think our filter scripture says, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. So that can only imply what, Rich? When it says we're appointed to this, that God actually had this planned? Yeah, this is God. It's saying that God had this planned for you, and this is what you're going to walk into, despite what you, how you may feel about it. This is what I have ordained for you to walk into. And and when you go through tough times, trials, tribulations, I use that word tribulations loosely, especially what we're going to be talking about this week, it's to refine us. It's to it's to strengthen us. And in fact, in verses three through four, John MacArthur, okay, he sends Timothy to be a helper. Uh, Here's what I I don't want you to think, he says, okay? He says, he reminded the Thessalonians of these divine appointments so that they would not think, okay, think this, that they would not think that God's plan was not working um, as evidenced by Paul's troubles. Like, don't think God's plan is not working because you're experiencing these things. But we do that all the time, right? Kevin, you have plumbing problems this week. I do. And last week. And the week before. And the week before. <laughs> and next week. <laughs> you, you could take that as, and this is what people do in, in first heaven, here on earth, I said it. <laughs> what have I done wrong? Right? Wouldn't you say that? I get a flat tire. Crap, I, I sinned. Right? You think because I'm going through this time of trouble or I get a ridiculous bill or fill in the blank, you think all of a sudden... You know, God's mad at you. Have you processed through any of that? Uh, Not really. I've been really trusting on this one. 
but it's I could see it'd be easy to go there. And I would just say this. This might deserve a slap in the face from somebody. But I think until you walk in maturity, your perspective might always be God's mad at me when something bad happens. And Paul says, look, I'm going to send Timothy to make sure you know these persecutions aren't necessarily because you're like you're doing something wrong. Rich, if you go back to Acts uh, chapter nine, verse 16, this is when God's telling Ananias, hey, you need to go uh, to Paul and remove the scales from his eyes, says, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my sake and for my name. Yeah. So I think Paul's Paul's got to be doing ministry with this at, at, in the in the back of his mind always, knowing that persecution is going to come because the Lord said so. Paul didn't ask for it. Yeah, it's just going to happen. So prepare yourself. If, if Jesus went through it, Paul went through it. Why are the Thessalonians any different? Because I think in the American culture, I know there's other countries that are participating with Revive School, but at least in the American culture, man, if we have to do an ounce of of anything that's not comfortable, like, uh, I don't want to go through it, right? I don't know. Max, you got any thoughts on that? I think that persecution is, is, is relative to what, you know, what you're comfortable with. And, you know, we're, when we specifically spent some time uh, at the Mount of Beatitudes outside of the Sea of Galilee, Rich and Drew, you and I, our team was there, and we, 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 we played some, some games. You guys remember this, the Sea of Galilee games? Mm-hmm. And we had to memorize, or we challenged our team to memorize the Beatitudes. And in this process of understanding the Beatitudes, Scripture says, and Jesus clearly articulates, Kevin, if you want to go there for me, in Matthew 5, at the very, uh, specifically Matthew 5, I mean, just you can just start in verse uh, 10. Those who are persecuted for righteousness are blessed. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. And look at this. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So like these great men and women that have gone before us have experienced this. You guys, we should rejoice that we get experience what God would say men and women, great men and women of God are experiencing as well. Like, to me, this is pure joy. Now, I have to tell you, it's not easy. Nobody likes to go through persecution. And on an American level, we don't have a clue. The reality is, is when you hang out with people in the Middle East and they're talking about giving their life to the Lord and they come from a Muslim background, they come from a Jewish background, like, it's a whole different ballgame. Now, I'll even just say, because we're in, in northern Indiana, when there are specific Amish people, you guys, we have friends that when they say they're embracing Christ, sometimes, not all the case, okay, so don't hear me say a blanket statement, but sometimes in certain districts or certain communities in northern Indiana, if a guy says, I love Jesus and I want to dig in the word of God, you know what happens? No, you can't do that. And then you know what they really say? They start persecuting them and to the point where they might even kick them out of the actual district. Scripture says, hey, be glad and rejoice. Your reward is great in heaven. And so when Paul says, hey, look, when we're in First Thessalonians, he says, hey, look, I don't want anybody to be shaken by these persecutions. You yourselves know that we are appointed to this, like rest in the fact you're in great company. And here's the crazy thing is, who doesn't want somebody to put your arm around you when you're going through hard times? That's what Timothy's going to do. Timothy's going to come and assure the Thessalonians, hey, guys, it's going to be okay. And I want to make sure you're strengthened in this 
process. So let me just say this. If you know somebody that's going through a hard time, encourage them in their walk with the Lord to be strengthened in this process. Scripture says in verse 4, I'm in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 4, In fact, when we were with you, we, we told you previously that we are going to suffer persecution. And as you know, it happened. In other words, I already prophesied and predicted it's going to happen. And, and what do you know? Here it is. Don't be caught off guard for this reason. In verse five, when I could no longer stand it, I also sent him to find out about your faith. In other words, Timothy's coming because he knows the persecution is taking place. But I also wanted to say, hey, how you guys, how you doing? How you doing with your walk with the Lord? Because there's, I'm fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might be for nothing. There's nothing worse than when you come into a community, you deliver the gospel, and then you're so concerned that when you leave, those people aren't walking with the Lord anymore. It's all of a sudden, Satan comes in and then you begin to play games. He begins to play games and you think, God, I just did that all in vain. <laughs> That's what it feels like when a whole city that you pour into, let's just say 10 believers, they all say, we love the Lord. Three weeks later, you can't figure where they're at. So there is this fear. So in a weird way, it's really reassuring to see that the Apostle Paul is concerned that all of the fruit that he experienced, he wanted to make sure that it's still going on. I don't know, Drew, you've been with us since a long time, since Revive Flint. Uh, you know, when you think about Revive Flint, you and I, we saw all kinds of ridiculous fruit on the streets. Yes. And my concern would be, uh, do you remember, I don't know, maybe it was Rich, you too. Do you remember the girls that were on the street, they ended up getting baptized in the pool. Do you guys remember this story? Yeah. I remember trying to reach out to them years later. Nothing. Nothing. And so this fear is, is that all of this work they've done, just maybe with one family, is our labor done for nothing? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send uh, the Bill and Tinas who are already there. Bill and Tina Etter, praise the Lord. Betty and Barbara and Kristen and praise the Lord for that whole team because we want to make sure that that work that has started continues on. Can I just tell you, I got a text today, Rhonda Summers. I love the fact that Rhonda just said, hey, pray for me right now because we're going to go to another city in Michigan and continue the work of the Lord. 2010, here we are years later and the Flintstones are continuing to do the work. Come on, that's a... That's a praise the Lord. So, Father, I just pray right now for the Flintstones that you would continue to flourish uh, the message of Christ across the state of Michigan. Use those folks from Flint to radically change that state in your name. Amen. Scripture just continues on. Uh, here we are in really verses six through eight. You know, uh, Wearsby has says, OK, look, Paul sent them a helper because he's afraid and concerned of the persecution. Kevin, I think that's a fair statement. And he's afraid that they just might be turning away. So then he just says, okay, here, here's what I'm going to do. Paul then says, says he wrote them a letter. Okay, so not only in verses 6 through 8, not only does he send somebody, Kevin, what does he do? He sends them some news. But now Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news about your faith. Praise God and love, and reported that you always have good memories of us. Isn't that the best? Uh, so he always has good memories of us. So we sent in, got the report, that you're wanting to see us, and we also want to see you. I mean, how cool is that? Like, there's actually a heart connection from those that he's done ministry with. And we see that we are, we are really encouraged by this. Verse 7, it says, Therefore, brothers, in all of our distress and persecution... 
we give you a thumbs up. We were encouraged about you through your faith. For now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. I love this picture, and I think MacArthur makes it pretty clear in the standing firm. It has this image of an army that is it, that refuses to retreat, even though it is be assaulted by the enemy. Like, you're not backing down. We've heard you are being strengthened. And oh, by the way, Timothy is affirming this, and I'm sending a letter to let you know we're excited for you guys. Everybody needs a dose of encouragement. In fact, this letter, I like what Wearsby does. Wearsby just says, okay, first of all, this letter serves as... Um, an indicator, right, that God's word, okay, is food. God's word is food to nourish us. Like when you feed on the word, obviously at that point, Kevin, they probably didn't think, oh, look, it's God's word. <laughs> like, hey, another letter from Paul. <laughs> you know, no, I'm just kidding. You know, another a form of this letter, what this letter has done is, is it serves as a light. A light to guide us. Okay, it's that Psalm 119, 105. A word is a lamp to our, how's that go? A word is a, uh, a word is a light, a lamp to our path. Oh man, a light. Oh, a lamp uh, to our feet, a light to our path. To our what? Our foot? Yep. Mm-hmm. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. That took a while to get to. <laughs> Not you, Kevin, but in my head. And then also this letter serves as a weapon, right, to defend us. Obviously, at that point for the Thessalonians, they're not thinking that this is nourishment. They're not thinking this is a light. They're not thinking as a weapon. But ultimately, that's what this has become. Ultimately, this has been the process. So Paul sends Timothy, a helper, making sure they're okay with the persecution, dealing with the persecution, not giving into and strong in their faith. And then he writes him a letter and says, hey, guys, basically, let's go. Keep going. You can do this in the process. Let me just say this. There's probably somebody in their walk with the Lord today, okay, that you have discipled or that you encouraged or that you shared your faith with that I bet if you wrote them a text or you called them this week, you'd, you'd floor them. I bet that. Kevin, do you remember, uh, you know, somebody that you've led to the Lord in the last couple of years? I wasn't even thinking just somebody I'd done ministry with, I connected with this week. I hadn't talked to him for a long time and just, it was encouraging just back and forth, a couple texts, catching up. Yep. You know, uh, uh, it's so fun when you're on the receiving end. Uh, yesterday I was studying and I got a text. Do you guys remember uh, our honey friend? Nathan Sheets, like I dialogue with him, but I mean, he, he is one of the larger honey producers, uh, literally in the United States. He's located here in Dallas, loves the Lord. I can honestly tell you, I haven't talked to him in a long time. Out of the blue yesterday, he just sends me a text, says, praying for you. And he says, keep up the work of the kingdom of God. Just two sentences on a text. And you would have thought, like, I just heard from the Lord directly that just said, you keep going, Kyle. Like, that's all it took. That's all it took. And so here's my challenge is how can you be a Paul or a Timothy to the Thessalonians today? Like who, who would you say, okay, this is who I'm going to reach out to. By Max, you being here this week, Kevin, what's that done for you? I mean, Kevin, try to be honest. It's been fun. Because <laughs> it's Max Ray Day today. I mean, does that make sense? Like by you coming here is like, man, we poured into Wisconsin and like it was worth it. Like to, uh, aside from the cheese curds. By the way, do you know that Tony... 
We were on an airplane to the Middle East. Do you know that Tony walked up and down the aisles? Have you heard this? No. With the cheese curds. Okay? We're like talking eight-hour different time zone. <laughs> People are out cold. Drew's probably not even awake. Right, Drew? That's correct. And Tony's walking around with cheese curds, and here's what he does. He says, hold out your hand. So we hold out our hand, and when he pours out the cheese, the cheese doesn't come out. The juice does. So <laughs> nasty. I'm on a plane, and cheese curd juice is here, and cheese, and Tony goes, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no other way to eat it. You know, you shove it in your mouth, but like, here's the crazy thing. You've encouraged Tony. Tony then encouraged us. Like, it's a process. Let's keep going. I don't care if it comes through cheese curds or text or phone calls or prayers or notes or support. God uses every bit of it for us to continue this walk. And that's what Paul models. Thessalonians, please continue to keep going. And then here, okay, as we close out in verses 9 through 13, Wiersbe just says it pretty, pretty clear. He says, not only did he send him a helper, not only did he write him a letter, but you guys, some of the best things that you can do, it says he prayed for him. You know, I was thinking about, uh, uh, Rich, you know that one of the most exciting moments for me as we've been traveling to the Middle East, for, for me specifically for the last 15 years, I mean, we pour into people with the gospel. Never, never see fruit. I, I feel like that's the case. Like, I've never seen tangible a response to the gospel that says yes. And uh, for the first time, we saw something. We saw somebody give their lives to the Lord. And what I love about it is, is that my communication with this individual that gave their heart to the Lord in a really tough environment overseas, uh, I've just constantly been texting him saying, I'm praying. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. And like for me, this guy, this individual is like getting strengthened in the Lord through our prayers. So he says in verses 9 through 13, how can we thank God for you in return for all of the joy we experienced before our God because of you. Like, I'm excited about how your life is being changed. And then in verse 10, as we pray very earnestly night and day to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith. I'm praying supernaturally that this isn't a criticism. He's not criticizing the Thessalonians saying, hey, you're lacking an area. He says, no, I want you to experience the fullness of God in your life. So he says, I'm sending a helper. I'm sending you a letter and I'm going to press in and pray because I believe it says in verse 11, now may our God and our Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. Verse 12, Scripture says, And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we also do for you. In other words, I love you so much, I'm going to come before the Almighty God. I'm going to pray, but my prayer is, is that your love, not only for Him, and now it spills over to everybody. Like, this love would radically impact Thessalonica. It'd go into Berea, it'd go into Apollonia, it'd go into Amphilopias, it'd go into Philippi. Like, it would actually spread, just as we did for you. And then he closes out in verse 13, in the prayer, it says, may he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all of his saints. Amen. I love this prayer because basically verse 13 is saying, hey, by the way, Jesus is coming and I need you. I need your hearts to be ready. I need your walk to be in holiness, walking out in sanctification, walking this out so you're reflecting Him. And by the way, sometimes I believe the only way that that's radically going to happen is I'm going to pray that God does that in your life. Jesus is coming back. And I want the Thessalonians to be ready. I want the Wisconsin folks to be ready. I want the Flintstones to be ready. I want the folks in Seattle to be ready. I want the Hoosiers to be ready. I want, and you fill in the blank, 
And the best way you can do that is to send somebody to encourage them. Write them a letter and please, 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 as Paul did, press in and pray that they would get ready for the coming Lord. All right, guys, have an incredible day. And tomorrow, I hope you're ready. It's going to feel like a a fire hydrant coming at you. But my prayer is that we're all ready for this discussion. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. 